0: Today's episode of Recovery Survey is fueled by Brainwash Coffee Company. I'm sure you've heard that drug and alcohol use is on the rise, especially during the pandemic. And Brainwash Coffee Company is working to raise money and awareness to support people seeking help. They donate 50% of their profits and their mission is to give back to the amazing recovery community. Their why is bold and their coffee is fresh. So if you want to sip on an amazing brew that warms your mind, body, and soul, Then visit brainwashcoffeeco.com and use promo code recovery survey at checkout to get $5 off your first order. Brainwash coffee company, simple coffee for complicated people. You're listening to recovery survey, the podcast that shatters stigmas around different types of addictions and takes a deep dive into spiritual principles.
1: But they like literally like did not know what to do. So I I was out for 26 hours. I literally could have died. You know what I mean? Because they, they didn't know what to do.
0: My guest today is named Nathan Smitty. And he has dedicated his life to distributing Narcan and telling people about harm reduction. Welcome to the show, Nathan.
1: All right. Hey guys, my name is Nathan Smitty. Um, a lot of you may know me as Narcan Nate. Um, I live in Southern California, originally from Tennessee. I've been out here about three years. Um, coming up on about, I'll have three years sober next week. So yeah, that's a little bit about me.
0: Right on man. Congratulations on three years. That's a big accomplishment.
1: Yeah. It's, I'm super stoked on it, man. So most time every, well, every day is the most time I've ever had. So <laughs>
0: So if you wouldn't mind, maybe you could kind of take us back and, and let us know like what you're using was like, what, what did your life look like before you found recovery?
1: Um, yeah. So using like, I, I started drinking when I was in high school, like 15 or something like that. And, um, and it never really like took off, you know what I mean? I, I was drinking stuff like that. I remember one time I got like so drunk, like I would go to parties, but I wouldn't drink, you know what I mean? I was like, Oh no, I don't want no more of that. You know what I mean? And, uh, and then senior year, um, I, uh, I co opted out and went to work. So I'd go to like two classes and then leave early and go to a job and they were paying me under the table. So I was getting cash every day. And like all of my friends were smoking weed and stuff. And I was like, Oh dude, I want to smoke weed. And I seen this guy that like I'd talked to before I knew he like had connections and stuff like that. And I was like, dude, I want to find some weed. And I found weed, you know, that day. <laughs> and so I started smoking weed and, um, And I didn't even like it, man, you know what I mean? But I was like, I just kept doing it because it changed how I felt, you know what I mean? And, um, and so that progressed into me drinking and smoking every day of like senior year in high school and, uh, not really any consequences, you know what I mean? And, um, I graduated, I got into college and, um, well before college, like I started like selling drugs and stuff like that, you know what I mean? Or just selling weed and, um, I got into that. And then I knew, I knew that if I went to college that I was going to flunk out and have a bunch of student loans that, uh, that I was going to have to pay back. And I, so I didn't go, man. And, uh, so, um, I got a job at a gas station was like working there and selling drugs out of the gas station, man. And, um, and then I realized that I could just sell drugs and make just as much money. Like I wanted to allow all my time to selling drugs and, um, And so that's kind of where it took off. And then um, I started selling like Coke and pills and like and meth and all this other stuff, man. And uh, I didn't really do a lot, though. Then I wasn't even like getting I would smoke like half a joint at night to like go to bed. But I was just like so like money centered, you know what I mean? And um, then one night, like this, this guy busted out like a Roxy 30, man. And I did like half of it. And I was immediately addicted. I was like, I want to feel this way for the rest of my fucking life and uh and yeah dude like and then it was just like downhill i was just selling to get loaded you know what i mean doing grimy shit um then the money ran out and then i'm like skimping people's bags and shit and i'm there's one point i'm i remember i'm digging through like trash like a, like a dump like somebody dumped trash on this road and i'm digging through it to like get cans and stuff like that for like scrap metal. There's like a dead deer carcass there. I remember that. So I'm like having to move it around, man. And, uh, I used to like, so there was like a really bad, like bed bug problem in this, in the town I grew up in. So there'd be like mattresses through over the side of the road. And I would like hoof it down the side of a mountain, like trying not to kill myself. Um, and like drag the mattresses up on like a chain and then burn them for scrap metal. Like, and there's like, they weigh nothing, you know what I mean? And, um, yeah. And then I overdosed the first time when I was 19 and then my parents, like they tried to sober me up. It worked for a little bit, man. And then, um, I went to, I got in the suboxone clinic later on and I ended up like getting like robbed and I didn't have the money. So my family sent me to treatment when i got there i was in such like a high dose of like suboxone and clonopin they were they were giving out clonopin back then i don't know if they are now or not but uh the dude literally told me he like pulled me outside away from my dad and was like dude you better off to go shoot heroin for a month and come back and i was like what the fuck dude <laughs> that's what he told me man he told me that to my face and he was he wasn't kidding man that shit was hard like coming off suboxone was hard man and uh But yeah, like I, I stayed, uh, I stayed clean and sober for like 16 months, man. And, uh, um, I quit, I got a job at like Ryder working like six days a week and I wasn't like going to any meetings or working on myself. And I relapsed and, uh, was in and out for, in and out for two years. Um, and then I went to treatment again. Then I came out to California through that treatment center. I got loaded again, went to psychosis, you know, I couldn't tell, like, what was real, what wasn't. And I wanted to, like, throw myself in front of the Amtrak. And then, like, I got help. And, yeah, I pretty much I pretty much stayed uh, stayed sober since then, man. Well, I have stayed sober, um, you know. And just I just did all the suggestions, man. Like, I pretty much – I'm, like, one of those people, like, I'm, like, oh, maybe I can microdose acid. Maybe I can microdose mushrooms or, like, you know, or do a little DMT. You know what I mean? That's, like, where my head always goes. And, um but yeah, so like complete abstinence is like the only thing that's ever worked for me. Like I can't use anything fucking successfully. Like I I really suck at using drugs. Like I really do. And so yeah, I just did like the ninety and ninety, and I you know I started I worked the steps and I have worked the traditions too, and I had commitments. My main commitment now is like the harm reduction thing, you know what I mean, like giving out Narcan and, and all those other projects that I have. Um, I got sponsees. I got a, one sponsee now that I'm taking through the steps. Um and i'm in school you know what i mean i got my own car like dude it was hard man it was like none of this shit was given to me man like I'm, um i had to skate like three three and a half miles one way to get to work and then skate back if i was lucky i would get an uber if i was really tired i would get an uber you know what i mean and like dude this shit was not given to me like i had to work my ass off for it you know and uh, i was like two two thousand miles away from home like mommy and daddy's not going to save my ass again. You know what I mean? They were just like fed up with me. They were like, dude, you just got to get your shit together. You know what I mean? They were just over it, dude. Just burnt all these bridges, man. Yeah, it's, it was a wild ride. Like my life's completely different though. I mean, um, I mean I'm mean, i in school now. It's just like, I haven't been in school in 11 years. But I'm in school. Um, I do like harm reduction pretty much full time now. It's like my full time gig. I mean, I, I if I work, I, I just like do DoorDash or something to make a little extra money, man. And, uh, yeah, it was bad out there, man. Like I thought I was going to die. I've overdosed twice. I've seen other people overdose, you know what I mean? So like really lucky to be here.
0: Wow. I mean, that's, that's an incredible story. And if you wouldn't mind, I'd, I'd love to, to talk a little bit more about the harm reduction aspect of recovery. Cause I know that it's kind of. I guess it's kind of controversial in some circles. And honestly, I don't know a ton about it, you know, but I, I think my mindset, as far as harm reduction goes is I would rather somebody participate in harm reduction and, than then, not get clean or sober at all, you know, cause we can, we, we can't, we can't recover if we're dead, you know, if that makes any sense. So I'd love to hear what it is that you do and, and hear more about harm reduction.
1: Yeah. So, yeah, I, first off, I completely agree with what you said. You can't recover if you're dead, you know what I mean? And, uh, you know, contrary to like, I, I think harm reduction in 12 steps, like I don't, I keep those completely separate. Like I don't push like getting clean or sober on anybody, man. You know what I mean? Cause that, for one, that never worked with me ever, you know what I mean? That just like pushed me away. Um, but I like, um, do it through a nonprofit called a new path and I, either people like schedule trainings with me to like come in and do trainings or like I do like street outreach where I go out to the streets and like I give out like Narcan and like fentanyl test strips and stuff like that out to people that are, that are still active. You know what I mean? And, and like, my hopes is, is like that they'll stay alive long enough to like, you know, when they're ready, like they can either reach out to me or like someone else and ask for help. You know what I mean? Cause you can't recover if you're dead, you know? Um, so if I didn't get saved, like I wouldn't be able to do this, you know what I mean? And uh it's, you know, I just see, I, people say I'm enabling, like, I don't think I'm enabling, I'm enabling people to live and have a chance, you know what I mean? And uh cause people are like dying like crazy. And, uh and so essentially it's just like me meeting where people where people where they're at, like you hear it all the time, like meeting people where they're at, like, okay. You know what I mean? And like my thought. Like, uh, my other thought process on it is, like, okay, like, people, like, they pray for people. Like, oh, like, we pray for the sick and suffering. Like, what are you doing for the sick and the suffering, though? You know what I mean? Like, what are you actually doing for them? You know what I mean? And so, and and I collaborate with some other organizations that do, like, amazing, like, amazing things, man. You know what I mean? It's like, dude, a lot of these people, like, they've never been loved, man, you know? And so, I just go out there and just meet them right where they're at.
0: That's incredible, man. And I I love the point that you made there about, you know, when somebody told you to, to get clean and sober, like it didn't work. And I, I can attest to that too, man. Like it took me being ready to quit before I could quit. I, I mean, I can't tell you how many times my parents and friends and roommates and, you know, whoever told me you need to get help, you need to stop using, like you need to, you know, you need to do this, you need to do that. And that never works for an addict. We don't, we don't like being told what to do. We don't like authority. Like, you know, everything about that is just, you know, we, we avoid anything that has to do with authority or rules or somebody telling us what to do. So that's, that's a great point. I love, I love that you made that point
1: yeah absolutely man like that stuff now like my parents like locked me up man and like that like it worked for a little bit you know what i mean like they locked me up in the house and you know they took like my keys and all my money and like that stuff but that was it worked for a little bit but it wasn't a cure-all you know what i mean like i had to like hit some bottoms man and go through a lot of pain to be done and um you know like some and some people just aren't there man it's like well, what, are, what are we doing to like bridge the gap between like them dying and them recovering you know what i mean that's kind of like where i feel like i come in you know what i mean because i you know i'm like bridging the gap between like they could die here but if they live they could recover you know what i mean they are, this could be this could be the bottom and then you know what i mean and because they were saved they were able to recover you know what i mean that's kind of like how i see it you know and like some people don't agree with it like i really don't give a shit like i did not get i sleep fine every night doing what i do you know what i mean and uh it's i i think i I can tell you in the last like 10 weeks i've saved like 40 lives and that's just what's been reported to me wow
0: that's incredible man and that's i mean that's just a test a testament to to what you're doing and that it's working and Man, I, I haven't really had the conversation with a lot of people, but I feel like just our whole system around addiction is broken, man. Like the harm reduction system's not really in place for a whole lot of people. You know, our, our current system is like, put them in jail or if they do it too many times, put them in prison, man. And like that, that just doesn't work, man. It doesn't work for addicts. It doesn't, it doesn't help anybody, you know, it gets them off the streets for a little while, but what are we doing to help rehabilitate people? You know, what are we doing to help them change their life? You know? And I think that that's, you know, that's something that we need to have more conversations about because, you know, it's uncomfortable and people don't want to talk about it, but it's something that we need to address because obviously we're in the middle of a huge epidemic. I mean, look at all the people that are dying from, from opioids and, and what are we doing to help them? The not a whole lot
1: yeah like i would get yeah it's definitely definitely some like uh industrialized criminalization there you know what i mean and uh like or it just it, 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 a lot of it like to me it doesn't make it it, it absolutely makes no sense and it, maybe it's just like where i come from you know like and uh but it's like i know here they're like riding like people that are houseless like on the streets you know they're like riding them loitering tickets you know what i mean so I'm, and I'm thinking here like okay you're gonna give this person a ticket and they can't they're like begging for money to either get food or drugs or whatever like do you really think they're gonna pay this ticket like how is this a solution like this does nothing but pushes them down further you know what i mean or even like even people that are like excuse me like living in an rv so you go and ticket them like however much money for illegal parking it's like dude they're not there they probably don't have the money to pay that ticket you know what i mean it's like so it's just all like a lot of these like stupid like laws and stuff like that just like further hurts people or you get like i mean you know in california like i mean simple possessions like a slap on the wrist you know what i mean it's like literally nothing but like before so like how many people like went to jail over like nonviolent, like charges. I went to prison, you know what I mean? And like, that's on their record. They got to get it expunged. It's super hard to find a job, you you know what I mean? And so they get out, they're like hopeless, you know what I mean? And it just like, it, like, it, it, like almost like paves a pathway for them to get loaded again and just repeat the process, you know what I mean? And, uh, and then they end up on the streets, you know, And, and a lot of people on the streets, man, like they're, they're not even, they don't struggle with like substance use disorder. They're like, it's so crazy out there. Like they're literally like doing drugs to survive. Like, you know, like it's hard to sleep, like people will steal your stuff. You know what I mean? All this other factors that you, that you can bring in. So they do drugs so they can stay up and they don't have to sleep. You know what I mean? That's a lot of it.
0: I'd be curious to know if, if there's anybody that's listening that wants to get involved with the harm reduction scene, if they want to help with the Narcan, like what are some ways that, that people can get involved or some things that we can do to, to help with, with the whole uh, harm reduction process?
1: I mean, if you, if you have a local, like, um, non in your area that's doing like harm reduction, you could always ask them to volunteer. Um, if you wanted to, you could take like the initiative and like, like I did and be like, Hey, like, I want to like volunteer with you. I want to be a trainer. Like I want to distribute Narcan. Like I want to like raise awareness, you know what I mean? You could do that. You could donate money to them. You could share, like if they post stuff on social media, you could share it. You know what I mean? Things like that. If they have like a um like a lot of these places are just grassroots man because like um like once you get involved with like grant money like they pretty much own you you know what i mean you have to meet like certain data and do this and this and this and so a lot of these places are like like surviving on donations like strictly donations like they get like i get the narcan grant through like or we get the narcan grant through the department of Healthcare services grant but it's just strictly for narcan like it doesn't pay salaries or anything like that like i don't make any money um so, I'm like working and like, like, people like send me money on my Venmo and stuff like that. And like, that's like in school is like helping me survive right now. You know what I mean? So, um, so I, yeah, this is like all like, you know, like if people want to put money in my pocket, they do it. Or If they want to give it to like the nonprofit, like donate straight to them. Like, that's pretty much how it works, man. So it's like, like, donations are like that helps. That's what like keeps us going. You know what I mean? Like, it's so it's, it's like there may be grants out there that like, um, that cover um like salaries like paying people but like i've i've yet to see one i'm like fairly new to like looking at grants and stuff like that but yeah like i've done this for like three years um i think i get i got i got my gas paid for one time and i got cut a check for a hundred dollars um
0: in three years wow that's that's in that's insane man and good on you for continuing to do the work even though you're not getting paid man like i know that that's it's got to be tough to to continue to do it and not not have like that backing and it sounds like the grants and all that stuff is pretty difficult to to navigate like i'm i'm not familiar with any of that kind of stuff so that's a little bit above my pay grade but that seems like it would be seems like it's it's a difficult thing man but it sounds like it's something that you're very passionate about and i'd be curious is part of the reason that you're so passionate about the harm reduction? Is that because, you know, something similar was done for you in your recovery journey? Is that what helped you get clean and sober in the beginning?
1: I mean, well, I got, I got saved with Narcan once. Um, and then, um, really, really like what led to it was, um, just like lack of, um, people just lack of knowledge, just just my experience. Um, with using drugs, there's people like the lack of knowledge and like education on it. And, um, you know, and I just wanted people to like not have to have my experience or like my family's experience with it. Cause like, so, I mean, I, I don't even like the first time I overdosed, for example, like you can call it an overdose. Maybe it wasn't like, I, I don't know. I just, whatever it was. So I was like, I fell out. Um, and I ended up passing out for like 26 hours I don't I, I don't know what happened I just know I woke up 26 hours later and I thought I was I thought it was the same day and like you know what I mean like my family literally did nothing for me they just like left me there there's like, I, I like and I don't think they had malintentions you know what I mean but they like literally like did not know what to do so i I was out for 26 hours um I literally could have died you know what I mean because they had they didn't know what to do. Um, and then the first time I experienced an overdose, you know what I mean? Like I was in a sober living, like if we had Narcan, I didn't know that we had it. Um, you know what I mean? And I did, I didn't know like the good Samaritan law. I didn't know any of that shit. You know what I mean? Um, but I'm getting loaded and I find dude on the ground that's purple been to prison gang banging and shit and i'm like dude i am not calling the cops because i am not dealing with this shit and um because i don't want to go to jail i don't want him to live and go to jail like i don't want to be called a narc either so i was like fuck like what do i do um so i almost let this dude die and like when i found him he was like pretty much purple he was like bluish purple and uh so i literally like paced around for a few minutes like literally pondering this dude's life his life was literally in my hands man and uh but i called and like um he lived and shit like i like i went through his pockets and pulled the point out of his pocket and like tossed it and like hit it you know what i mean but so just like just like that experience like i don't want anybody ever to like have to go through my experience if they don't have to because it sucked
0: do you know of any resources where people can educate themselves on like what to do in an overdose or what symptoms to look for, or is there anything out there that, that the listeners could maybe look up or, or pass on to, to friends and family, anything like that, like websites or apps or anything available? Let's see.
1: I'm, we have a, we should have a link on our website at newpath.org for, um, bridge for like an online training video and stuff like that. And it should, it should link you to like what to look for and stuff like that. And I'm pretty sure the national uh, harm reduction Alliance has a video too, and things like that. Um, and there, there, there's some applications out there, but I, I can't think of it. Um, I think Eyekeeper keeper, keeper has, has, um, has stuff on there. They, de- yeah, they definitely have stuff on there as far in, in regards to an overdose as well. Um, and if you just, if you just, you, um, I'm pretty sure you can get trained. Like there's a few websites that'll train you like, um, uh, for like 10 bucks, you know what I mean? On online. Um, but if you do it through any it's just free. You can just watch it. It's free. It's just it's just on YouTube.
0: Awesome, man. And if you think of any others, if you'll email them to me, I'll include all the links in the show notes. So if anybody's listening and they are curious or they want to want to further their own education, they can scroll down on their app and and tap on one of those links and visit the websites that we're talking about. So if you think of those, send them to me and I'll be sure to include them.
1: Yeah, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can definitely I can definitely get more information over to you for sure.
0: Awesome, man. Well, if people are looking for you on social media, I know at the beginning you said you're Narcan Nate. Where can people find you, and and how can they help contribute? You know, do you have a do you have like a Cash App or Venmo or something set up where people can can help you out?
1: Yeah, yeah. So it's Narcan Nate on, on uh, TikTok and, and Instagram. Uh, if you, you can add me on Facebook if you want to, it's Nathan Smitty. Um, Smitty is S M I D D Y. Yeah, and yeah, I have a, I have a GoFundMe set up on my Facebook and my um.
0: Instagram. Awesome, man. I'll be sure to include all those links as well. So if anybody's interested in following along in your journey or, or helping you out financially, the links for that will also be in the show notes. Um, there's one question that I like to ask at the at the end of the episode, and it might be a, I, I, I told you before we started like no curveball, so hopefully it's not too much of a curveball. But was there one thing that someone told you, maybe a, a famous quote or an inspirational phrase or something? What's something that someone told you that really really stuck with you and like changed your life or changed your perspective on something?
1: Um, somebody told me that I was the only person that was going to give me the life that I wanted.
0: Oh, I like that yeah that's good stuff man
1: yeah it yeah I, that 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 really put it in perspective for me
0: just the 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 idea man like we're responsible for our own lives like we have to put in the work i think that was one of the things that i struggled with in the beginning of recovery is like i didn't want to put in the work i thought i could just like show up to some meetings and like uh you know there's like the, the, there's that whole cliche of like you can't get recovery by osmosis like you have to actually. You have to actually do the work and that's kind of what's bouncing through my head when you shared that you know and 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 i and i've struggled with that like throughout my whole recovery man because i'll get to like a point where i'm comfortable and my life is good and whatever and i just kind of like you know i just i feel like i just kind of coast and there's and you know i have to like remind myself that i have to continue to put in the work i have to continue to show up i have to continue to do step work i have to continue to go to meetings like it's a lifelong journey and it's not something that we ever finish. And and I love, I love that quote, man. And, and just, it just reminds me that I have to continue to to do the work and, and continue to, if I want my life to progress, I have to continue to do, I have to continue to make those positive steps.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. This guy told me to add on to that. He's what did he say? He said, he said, there's more than one path of the mountain and he, and he was like, but when I get to the top, I'm going to look for a ladder. Yeah. You know, you know what I mean? So yeah, he told me that, so.
0: Right on, man. Well, thank you so much for, for coming on today. And uh, it was an absolute pleasure. Thank you for, for talking about harm reduction. Cause I know that there's not a lot of people talking about it and it's kind of a, kind of a taboo topic in a lot of recovery circles. So thank you for, for sharing with us and, and for doing the work that you're doing, man. I know you probably don't get a lot of people thanking you for, for bringing the Narcan and, and helping them out, man. And it's, it's a thankless job, and it sounds like it's something that you're passionate about, but I really do admire you for for putting in the work and, and doing what you can to, to help people that are still struggling in active addiction.
1: Oh, thank you. I, I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me, too.
0: Nathan, thank you again for coming on the show today and sharing with us about the incredible work that you're doing. Guys, I would really encourage you to follow the links in the show notes and consider donating to Nate. You've been listening to Recovery Survey. If you got anything out of today's episode, I'd ask you to please leave us a five-star review and share this episode with a friend. If you'd like to get in contact with us, you can find us at recoverysurvey.com. You can listen to all of our episodes on the website as well as connect with us on social media where you can get previews for upcoming episodes.